Great. Welcome back, Sports Talk for Fans by Fans. Brian here. Got Alex with me. How you doing, Alex? Doing fine, sir. What's going on? Not much. Just another another round of talking sports, and we got a lot of stuff on the plate. This week, we're going to focus mainly on football. However, there is a lot of stuff we're going to start covering in the next couple of weeks, ranging from, you know, we got the UFC fights and more pay-per-views coming up. NBA playoffs are about to start. They got less than 10 games left. MLB season starts next week. Football draft is coming up. So we're just going to kind of recap another round of NFL offseason before we move on next week to other things. Um, and we'll just go from there. So, uh, Alex, the first big thing let's talk about, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. We kind of talked about it last week. We talked about, you know, I, I gave my opinion on why I thought it was kind of odd that he went from not wanting to go to Cleveland to also going to Cleveland. To me, it was the money. Alex, I think it was strictly about the money. Um, Cleveland, of course, has, has a good team for him to kind of integrate with. But the thing that we really didn't talk about before, we're going to talk about now, Alex, the guaranteed contract. So guaranteed contracts in other sports or, uh, you know, they sign, that's what they're going to get. Football, they don't do guaranteed contracts. And owners have been very against doing guaranteed contracts, which puts a lot of risk in football players. Uh, uh, so with this, $230 million guaranteed, Alex, first ever guaranteed contract. Now, we know some of the owners took issue with this Watson trade, Alex. So I think you had some information. What, what were some issues the owners had with the whole Watson trade? Um, there are a lot of talks in, in the league meetings this week um, where they meet every year, you know, a couple times a year. A lot of front offices, a lot of owners were really upset the fact that the, the Browns basically fully guaranteed Sean Watson's contract and moreover how they worded it, how they arranged it. So basically we had already talked last week about how he's not really going to get suspended anything if he gets suspended this year because the salary, you can only spend a guy for his salary, not his upfront money. So um, they were very upset about that, very upset about the fully guaranteed, kind of sets a really bad precedent. Uh, a lot of the different owners, let's, you know, let's just be honest, um, they definitely uh, collude. Um, not guaranteeing that much money is something they collude, but they legally collude, they legally collude because of the collective bargaining. Um, but that's one of some of the things they kind of brought up. Yeah. So to me, I, you know, they, they brought up the whole, you know, there's things against his name. Why would you trade for him? But let's be honest when it comes down to it, it's, this is about the other owners being upset that they now have to consider giving out guaranteed money. Like I, that's the bottom line, right, Alex? I don't think it's about oh, yeah. anything else. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's about that, and especially for some of the smaller um, uh, teams that really can't afford a lot of like the guaranteed money up front that they have to put. A lot of people don't understand when you guarantee money, you have to put it in escrow, so you have to have liquid cash when you, you sign deals. That's one of the things they talked about with the Khalil Mack deal originally. Did Davis have enough money to give Khalil Mack the money he asked for? Because obviously, you know, the Rays are one of the poor teams. So when you guarantee whatever you guarantee, you have to put in an escrow, liquid cash, saying that you guaranteed this money. So the Browns um, ownership guaranteed $230 million that they put in an escrow account that gets released every once in a while when Deshaun Watson gets to it, you know, the part, parts of his uh, contract. So. Um, it's 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 a it's it's a problem for the owners because owners definitely don't like to set precedents like that. Yep, and so because of all this, I think Cleveland is genius, Alex. I think Cleveland is genius twofold for all this. Only, of course, if Watson is actually innocent of everything, as he's kind of going down the path now, because you can't suspend him if he has nothing against them. I mean, you know, with Ray Rice and other things, you actually have video footage, like you actually have concrete proof right now it's kind of he said she said there's not real real evidence to hold against them so we'll see how it all plays out but alex i i think this is genius by cleveland because they are getting you know let's be honest is this the best quarterback in in cleveland's history without him even playing a game um i think i don't grandma probably have something to say with that I think he's better than Bernie Kosar. I'll, I'll give him that. But, I mean, in, in temporary times, quarterback is probably one of the best. I, I'd say that. I'd agree to that in modern times in the last at least 40 years. Wait, who who'd you say originally? 
be, before Bernie. Wasn't wasn't Otto Graham their quarterback back in the back in the day? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's good. This is perfect because uh, yeah, Otto Graham is is a great in Cleveland history from 1946 to 955. So Alex, thanks. You went all the way back to World War II almost to name a great Cleveland quarterback to compare against Deshaun Watson. And the reason why I'm asking this, Alex, and for the people listening to follow along, how many starting quarterbacks can you name from Cleveland besides Otto Graham and now Bernie Kosar, Alex? Oh, God. I could name a ton of them, but they're not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. They have like the – the, and I think I have a picture of mine. I'll post it on our uh, – obviously tomorrow. But there's a picture of the, the famous fan who, who made a jersey – where he puts different quarterbacks from Cleveland on the back of the jersey, and it's about 20 names of there are some of the most random quarterbacks, like Brandon yeah. Whedon and Spurgeon Wynn. Hold and on, I, hold I mean, stop, stop, stop that, stop there. Do this first. Before you keep naming those, you just named me two great Cleveland quarterbacks. If you had to name a third great Cleveland quarterback, who's that third before you – because I, I have a second side of this. Who's that third great Cleveland quarterback besides – before Watson, besides Otto Graham – Besides Bernie Kosar, who would you say would be the third best quarterback? Like real talk. You mean? Oh, I mean, I have okay. Theoretically, it, it, it might it might be Vinny Testaverde because Testaverde <laughs> was on there. I mean, yeah, Tim Couch yeah. was the last one to get him to the playoffs, but he didn't win it. But and that was his only claim to fame. But it it might be Vinny Testaverde. Okay, now let's do this now with the listeners. Give me your most three obscure quarterbacks in Cleveland Brown history. It can either be obscure, like you did. People don't know that they actually played because they have a ton of people that people probably don't know they played for this team. So give me your three most obscure or just straight up odd quarterbacks in terms of Cleveland Brown history. I gotta go. Okay, um, obscure. God, they have so many obscure guys. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, I can think so of like, I can think of like, here we go, Ken Dorsey, your boy Ken Dorsey, he was there. Two thousand, yep, two thousand eight, started three games. <laughs> was it Seneca Wallace like a backup once a, a long time ago? Uh, I don't know. Uh, two thousand ten, he started four games. <laughs> two thousand eleven, he started three games. This is the st- this is the state of Cleveland quarterbacks. This is why, to me, this is genius. You're going all in. Because there's a lot of stuff going on legally that he's never not been proven on, so you jump and take advantage of it. So, Alex, do you want to throw another one or more? Because there's obviously more than than three. Okay, uh, I think both Luke and Josh McCown, both brothers, played for that team. Um, I got to name out my Notre Dame quarterbacks: Deshaun Kaiser, Brady Quinn. They both stuck it up, so Jesus I'm put Christ. them yeah. on there. Kaiser, um, fifteen starts. Team Brady Quinn starts in 2009. Jesus. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, RG3 for like two games or something like that. <laughs> he had five starts in 2016. Oh, oh no. I got I got one bet. I just came up with Groove's boy from Tampa. Uh, Brad Kowski or something like that. Bruce Gradkowski started a game in 2008, and I think that was it. Just one start. <laughs> In 2008, he uh, he got tra- he got taken over by Brady Quinn the following year. So that that shows you how how great that is. But yeah, so some uh, some other names on here just to just to throw them out so Alex is not just having an aneurysm thinking of the most obscure weird names. But Mark Rippon played a couple of games as a starting quarterback in '94. Uh, Ty Detmer, one of the great Detmers that ever played, uh, was a quarterback. Charlie Fry started several games for Cleveland. Jeff Garcia started 10 games. Trent Dilfer started 11 games. He might be. I'll take it back. Trent Dilfer might be the greatest quarterback in the Browns history. <laughs> He's got a ring. Uh, yes. uh, Derek Bigfoot Anderson was uh, a great success for all years. Um, Jake Delhomme. All these, like, knockoff quarterbacks that, that succeed in other places. Jake Delhomme started four games. Uh, they they, were, they rode Brandon Wheaton for 15 games in 2012, by the way. Uh, Jason Campbell. Had eight starts. You know, Johnny Menzel had six. Josh McCown with eight. Cody Kessler with eight. Kaiser with 15. Like, this is insane. The quarterbacks that they had start in this franchise. So, uh, twofold. Genius because of that. 
Second, Alex, the reason why Cleveland's genius is because you're when you're the first team to do it, everyone's mad at you because you're the first team to do it, which means they screwed everyone else over. So for them, it works, but for everyone else out there, they're royally, royally screwed. So who else did they screw? Two people in their own division. Cincinnati is going to have to give Joe Burrow a contract at some point, and I think we can argue that Joe Burrow deserves as much as Deshaun Watson already based off of two years of playing. Uh, you know, um, Kyler Murray already wanted talking in Arizona about needing a contract. And then Alex Lamar Jackson, he's playing his last year. He needs a contract. They were, I think they were confident they could sign him, but now I'm not so sure, Alex, because Lamar Jackson, would you say Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's an MVP. So he, he deserves that kind of contract, right? Like, uh, so this is why I think I think they put all these other teams in a bad position. What do you think? I'm sorry, I got another brain aneurysm. I think they Browns have had four or five different starting quarterbacks from Washington football team. I don't, and I know Washington has one of the terrible like track records for quarterbacks. So like all their like their bus quarterbacks like RG three like Colt McCoy like like uh, Mark Rippin like like you brought up Jason Campbell forgot. All of them are wearing the Browns quarterback. I'm sorry, I digress, but I had to just throw that out there. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, this this is going to screw up quarterback in uh, as far as contracts going for um, because, um, I mean, that guaranteed money. I mean, either you got to either do something similar or you got to do something special with their contract now because, I mean, that set precedence, everybody's going to look at it and say, hey, I'm the next guy up. I'm want the Deshaun Watson deal or better. So yeah, he guaranteed 200 plus million. Well, I want 300 million plus guaranteed. So, um, and then the fact the cap's going to blow up probably next year or two, it's definitely going to make some quarterback situations uh, a lot harder to get taken care of. Yeah, and I know some owners kind of have like a they have a number they don't want to give quarterbacks more than you know say 25 percent of their salary cap because right now if the cap's at 200 you know 200 million. $50 million, like Aaron Rodgers, that's a quarter of your cap. You have to fill out a 53-man roster. Like how, it's, in, it's just going to be really complicated. I think the quarterback prices driving being driven up is really going to affect a lot of other position groups, and a lot of the people aren't going to be able to sign. I think we're going to see a lot of people signing uh, franchise tags because a lot of teams are going to use franchise tags because they have to find a way to keep certain people, and they can't keep them guaranteed for that amount of money. So I kind of yeah. feel like franchise tags are going to start being used more. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Um, there's I've occurred a couple of things. I don't think they're ever going to happen, but people throw out ideas like, hey, maybe have it where a situation where there's no negotiating with quarterbacks where you give them a certain percentage of the cap every single year. So if a young rookie guy, you know, proves himself when it's time for his contract, you want to sign him, he basically get a certain percentage of the cap just depending on how it is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Or I've heard in the past, like, why don't you just make quarterback contracts like basically – not in the salary cap because there's just no way. I mean, you put that quarterback in that salary cap when you talk about 25%, it's going to go up high 30, 35%. It's just going to absolutely ruin some franchises. Yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy going forward. All right, let's uh, move forward and start talking about some other things. Um, so let's talk some of those smaller moves that happened this last week, Alex, and you can kind of let me know what you think. What do you think about MVS going from Green Bay to Kansas City on a three-year contract? Uh, I know it's, it's not it's not a great replacement for Tyreek Hill, but it gives them, you know, you know, I guess a bunch of number two receivers. I guess to me, Kansas City and Green Bay are like the same position. They got a bunch of like number two wide receivers. So, what do you think about MVS leaving Green Bay and going to Kansas City? Uh, it's a gap filler. Um, they're trying to figure. You know, he's not going to be the number one. He probably might be the starting wide receiver day one, but. They got picks. They're going to draft a wide receiver early, so Kansas City doesn't have to worry about that. But you need to have a situation where at least you got a veteran in there who could start, who could play for you, so you don't have to reach for a wide receiver and draft. But um, he, he's he's just going to be added to the fold where they got. But uh, their future number one wide receiver is in this draft this year. Malcolm Butler back to the Patriots and Jabril Peppers to the Patriots, so plussing up that defense. Legatron to the Jets. Uh, Ronald Jones leaving Tampa Bay, going to Kansas City as uh, Tampa Bay committed fully uh, to Leonard Fournette, it looks like. So, you know, once again, I kind of talked about it. I think he's going to be one of the most underrated top five running backs that you could go after probably in fantasy. So we'll see how that goes. 
Alex, Andy Dalton to the Saints. What do you think about that? A good insurance policy. You basically signed Jameis on the deal. Um, my guess is it sounds like that um, our boy over there is probably not going to be the full long-term thing. Um, you signed Dalton because he's healthy. You don't know whether Jameis is going to be fully healthy. And if not, there's also a chance he can re-injure himself. It's a good insurance policy. Uh, Dalton's not changing your life, but, hey, if you get in a situation like you did last year where you lose your starting quarterback, you got somebody you feel comfortable with. All right, and uh, switching places with Dalton, because Dalton left Chicago. Um, Trevor Simeon is leaving New Orleans, so Simeon has taken a contract to be a backup quarterback for New Orleans. And I think something else that was interesting was that uh, Taysom Hill was getting um, – they're going to use him at tight end a little bit this year. He's, they're going to put him in training camp. So a better version of Tim Tebow, of course, but I guess Trevor Simeon may actually be, or I'm sorry, Dalton may be the actual backup, which allows Taysom Hill to go more of a, a true hybrid role. So kind of interesting to see how that all works out there. Isn't um, it just amazing how after a year, after Sean Payne retires, it just seems like he absolutely just lit that franchise on fire. It just walked out the door. Like, you're stuck with yeah. a quarterback you don't want. Now you have to find ways to use him. And, like, he was – and Payton was the only one that believed in him. Now you got to find ways to use him. And it's just just really bad, especially when you're going through Cap Hill like they are. Yeah, yeah. And that's why when people always talk about the whole – the cap's not real. Like, it's going to catch up with teams at some point. Like, the Rams, it's going to catch up with them. Like, they're in a championship window. They have to succeed right now. It has to work. They maybe got like two years or something like that because, you know, the whole new Donald contract and Stafford contract. And we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But, um, I mean, like the Eagles and Saints are going through salary cap hell, and they're they're constantly trying to recover from it. And you can see that they're losing people, like, you know, losing Marcus Williams. They just can't retain their players anymore because uh, you, you can't keep pushing money back. It's going to catch up eventually. So, Alex, now that we've had about, you know, two weeks of offseason – I think we've had some time to kind of assess and give our opinions on what we think about some of these deals. So let's play some good cop, bad cop, if you will, um, backseat quarterback. I'll, I'll give my opinions on what I think the three worst signings are, in my opinion. And why don't you give me three of what you think were the best signings are, in your opinion. So uh, I can go first, Alex. Mm -hmm. um, I mm -hmm. think this is the one that everyone agrees <laughs> with, but and I don't think it's going to be any surprise. Christian Kirk. I don't. There's no argument there, right, Alex? That, that to you, he's he's a bottom three worst contract. He's one of the worst contracts. I think Zeke might be the worst contract in football, but this one's it's it's close to it. Yeah, well, I mean, like you know, signed this year, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before years, seventy-two million, thirty-seven guaranteed, twenty million, twenty million dollars signed mm -hmm. bonus with incentives that can go up. So it can be up to so it's, he's averaging 17 million, but he can go up over 20 million depending on how well he does. Now the reason why the signing is kind of weird, yes, Jacksonville has to do stuff. We acknowledge that they had to sign a wide receiver. They probably had to overpay because honestly, who wants to come to Jacksonville other than to make money? So when you come to Jacksonville, unfortunately, right now it's about the money and that's it. Kirk has never been number one, a number one wide receiver. You know, he's been behind Hopkins. You can say he's even at the third receiving option out there, especially last year with A.J. Green. He's never broke 1,000 yards receiving in a season, yet he's the 10th highest paid wide receiver going into 2020. Now, to match it up with production, Deontay Johnson was a 10th receiver with the 10th most receiving yards with 1,161. Kirk had the 27th most receiving yards at 982. So, you know, he's getting paid over what he's valued at, but they have to because they have to bring someone in. I mean, you saw them bring in Marvin Jones. It didn't work out. You know, you, let's be honest. Allen Robinson, people were linking back to – who was linking Allen Robinson back to Jacksonville is insane. Like, he left Jacksonville for a reason. Why would he want to go back to Jacksonville? So, I, I saw some rumors of other quarter or other wide receivers, but to me, Alex, that's why Christian Kirk – to me, is one of the three worst signings in football this offseason. You want a good cop me and, and give me a, a good a good signing? Um, good a good sign. Well, we're doing offseason moves in general, so we can do all offseason moves, correct? Yep. Just anything, right? Okay. Yeah, yep. So my my good cop for this, I think it starts with it. I'm gonna go ahead and start the ball with me with the Russell Wilson trade to Denver. 
Want to know a mind-blowing stat? Denver Broncos is one of those top five-ish, seven franchises in football that wins Super Bowl that's consistently a winning program. Do you know of all their Super Bowls, they've never drafted their, their, their Super Bowl winning quarterback? Every one of them, they didn't draft. They didn't draft Elway. They didn't draft Peyton Manning. And they traded for Wilson Wilson. So for some reason, veteran quarterbacks and or quarterbacks they've acquired from other teams works out for them. So I think this is a team that was already built, predestined to go do some things. Um, they obviously were wanting um, Green Bay's quarterback. Obviously, wanted Aaron Rodgers. It didn't work out. Uh, but Russell Wilson is is a lot younger. Uh, he's definitely um, he's he's definitely more mobile right now than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I think he's going to fit more in what Denver wants to do, especially with the the bootleg and different things like that. So I think that's kind of a perfect fit for them. Uh, I don't know what happened in Seattle. I still don't know what happened in Seattle. I heard rumors, but I still don't know. Uh, but I think that's a perfect fit for them, a team that's kind of pre-ready, pre-made with wide receivers, defense that could go win a championship. They got their championship quarterback now. What do you think? What you yeah. got? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And to go, and to go back to people thinking about John Elway, so yes, he you know he is part of one of the most lopsided trades probably in NFL history. Uh, well, he was the number one pick. He refused to play for the Baltimore Colts. Sucks for Colts slash Baltimore. Uh, he got traded for Mark Herman, the right offensive tackle, Chris Hinton, and a first round pick in 1904. So you can see the the metric scale of what you give up for a first round pick or number one pick overall was very different back then. Uh, so their hands were kind of tied. So, and then know, he I also think, said he wanted to play baseball, so that was also hovering over there yeah. as well. Yep, by the 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 evil Yankees, I think were the ones who drafted him. But, um, yeah, no, I think I think you're you're spot on. I I think if I would have done that segment, I was going to say Russell Wilson because just, I mean, they're a quarterback away to being maybe I'd say a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. I don't see you know because the AFC is so stacked, but. All right, let's go back to uh, Bad Cop. For me, Alex, singling out your boy, your former boy, who your owner tried to apparently keep, and his son uh, spited him and did not keep him for whatever reason. So you can probably elaborate when we get to that part here in a little bit. But Randy Gregory, Alex, I had to look these stats up, so please tell me if I'm wrong, because when I looked this stuff up, it kind of blew my mind about Randy Gregory. But he's going to get five years, $70 million, $28 million guaranteed <clears throat> to the Broncos. PFF, which, you know, we always go back and look at kind of when we do our research on things, they grade him as the 46th best defensive end out of about 110. <clears throat> so we're paying him $70 million. We're paying him top-end money to be a almost average defensive end. <clears throat> now, Alex, he was rated as the 12th best pass rusher, but he's only 104th against the run. So he's literally one of the worst defensive ends against the run. Alex, before I ask about your opinion... This stat I looked up, I couldn't believe this. He's played 50 career games, and he only has 16 and a half career sacks with never more than seven in a year. Am I crazy in what I looked up, or is that accurate? Uh, that's 100% accurate, good sir. Um, that's why they pay you the big bucks for being the great host you are on the show. Um, yeah, when uh, we got the uh, news of Gregory was getting signed of Dallas, I kind of like cringed because I was like, we kind of expected him maybe be a eight to ten million dollar guy, but because Dallas now gets to the free agency market, his numbers went a little bit higher. Um, it's yeah, it's it, everything you said is spot on. Um, he's not a a very good run defender. You saw it in the playoff game. He he oh, yeah. held your offensive lineman because he could not you know shed the block, and it cost Dallas yards. And actually, one of the reasons, not the reason, one of the reasons that kind of hurt them that game. Yeah, so, um, yeah, he's uh, – he, the reason it made sense more for Dallas than Denver to sign him because Dallas kind of invested not just on the field but off the field with him. You know, they uh, Jerry hired a guy to go with him and kind of be around him when he's away from the team to kind of check on him. Uh, he struggles with mental uh, disability – not mental disability, but mental uh, problems. So they really put a lot of stock in him. So the thought was that maybe he would give like a team – friendly discount this offseason for all what Dallas did for him. Um, obviously, they business-wise, they couldn't come to an agreement that he decided to switch up and go to Denver. Um, it's a bad sign for the simple fact to me of it made sense for Dallas. Um, they're kind of in this this kind of mode there. He, yeah, it's overpaid for Dallas, 
but he's our baby. We know what we're getting into. We're willing to work with him. I don't know if Denver's going to baby him. I don't know if Denver's going to be, you know, if he has some type of breakdown, some type of issues. I don't know if Denver's going to be there to give him that support system that Dallas is. So um, I think from what I heard, the deal was more like a two-year, $27 million kind of deal, kind of where they could probably get out of it in the first two, after the first two or three years. But, yeah, I agree with you. Um, he's getting paid mid-level, top-tier, pass-rushing money, and he's not been that. It's funny because Dallas's response, you know, replacement for Doris Armstrong, his backup, had just as many sacks as he did this past year. So um, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not, you know, he, he lives up to the money. Yeah, I mean, as being a, as, a, as a spiteful, you know, I, I go back to you know, our rivalry from way back in the day. So part of me was hoping he would stay there just because I thought he was – I love, you know, running the ball against you guys. So, I, you know, for me, I was hoping you'd see there because that's a big, you know, cap month. I, I almost feel like Denver Gate did you guys a favor. Yes. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think Denver may have the worst and best offseason move. And, you know, it's not meant to be a slight against Randy Gregory, but that amount of money is just way too much. And I, I can see the Cowboys replace him with Dante Fowler Jr., I believe, mm-hmm. um, as a, you know, as a rotational player. So, I, you know, I think – this ended up working out great for Dallas, but for Denver, that's just a very questionable move. You know, they, they had a pretty good defense already. You probably could have got someone else more veteran. You know, if you're going to give that money, Chandler Jones, all these other defensive players, you could have went after, but but you didn't. So, eh, I, you know, I get it. They had to do something, but that's this just is a the lot funny, of money. So Alex, This, is the, this yep. is the funny thing about it. If I was Denver, I would have paid the extra $6 million a year to do the Von Miller deal or just re-sign Von Miller. He would have got exactly. you way more bang for your buck than that. Exactly. And, and he loves Denver. He loved the crowd loves him. He loves that area. You know, it, it's a great move to do that. I, you know, I a hundred percent agree that they should have done something like that instead. Um, especially with, you know, you have a veteran team now with Russ Wilson coming in, just bring in the veterans that know how to win. Von Miller is a two time Super Bowl champion. Now just won it. I think would have been great, but Alex, all right, let's go back to good cop. What's your uh, your second best move? I can't just say one for this. <clears throat> I think we're going to agree with this. I know this is cheap, but I just can't do a one thing on this. I'm going to say Cincinnati O-line upgrades. Um, I, if I had to pick one, I'd say probably Lyle Collins, uh, but I think their whole O-line um, decisions this year to upgrade, not just the, the uh, right tackle, but the interior of it. I think you you upgraded. Um, we can argue about how good the upgrades are, uh, but you knew one thing: you had a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, a Super Bowl caliber offense, but your offensive line was one of the bigger things um, that was holding you back. And they went out there, they spent the money. They're not paying a quarterback. Go out there, spend a spend the money on the offensive line, solidify your quarterback, make sure he's upright. I just think that's. That's just a brain dead type thing. We argued last draft about whether or not they should take the offensive lineman or chase. It worked out for them. You know, they got them to the Super Bowl, and now they have the money to go out and spend money on the offensive line. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. You know, I don't, I hopefully not take your next one either. But, you know, we the Dolphins and Bengals are the two that we constantly talked up about how they need to improve in those in those areas. I think if you're talking about like a team's best offseason, I would even say the Bengals and Dolphins just because offensive line had some kind of, you know, addressing, improving. So I, you know, I think spot on because to me, it's the offensive line's improving the and the quarterback improving and the pass rusher improving, you know, that's really the end of the AFC West. But I think those were like the three huge areas for teams on, on improving. So, yeah, I think either Bengals or Dolphins, you could have kind of probably almost did a coin flip on, on which one was better on that one. Uh, let's go back to my, uh, my last one. You know, this one's kind of maybe not as bad, but I'm going to go James Conner, three years, $21 million, $6 million signing bonus, 13.5 guaranteed. Average cap hit of $7 million going into his 29-year-old season, which will make him the 10th highest paid running back on average salary. Now, yes, Conner had a monster year. He had, I think, like 14 touchdowns. It was great. The problem with James Conner is durability. He's never played a full set of seasons. His five years he's played, these are the number of games he's played, 14, 13, 10, 13, and 15. And now let's be honest. Yes, those are close to you know 75% of the games in a season. But the problem is, Alex, every time these football players get hurt, 
they never come back 100%. So when he comes back, he's not the same guy. And as a running back, you need to be elusive and everything. So with, with Arizona, when they had Chase Edmonds as a second running back, I thought it was a good one-two punch. Problem is, Chase Edmonds is now getting $6 million in Miami. Connor's getting $7 million in Arizona. So, of course, Arizona can't justify $13 million going into that running back room. So, you know, there are other running backs, Jonathan Ward, you know, uh, Benjamin and Jalen Samuels. Are they are they going to be Chase Edmonds? I mean, maybe Benjamin. But, Alex, uh, you know, this move, I if they don't draft a running back, I think this is a bad signing. If they draft a running back, then I think it makes it makes sense, you know, and you need a compliment back to James Conner because he's going to get hurt. What do you think? You don't pay running backs on second contracts. We have this on the show every every year, and we talk about all-season move. We talk about you, you just don't invest in the running back position. Why? Because you could get some fifth-round running back, no offense, to come in and give you similar production, okay? hate to say that. Um, offensive running game is more about the offensive line than it is the actual running back. Unless you're uh, Trent Richardson and you just are so freaking blind and you run straight into the back of your offense line. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. you don't pay running backs. So I'm you with you on that one. You're still, you, don't, you don't pay running backs. I mean, uh, the, the running backs, yeah, the running backs, the highest paid running backs, it's bad. Like they're all, none of them are, almost none of them are worth the money, uh, like kind of with what they're at. I mean, I think, you know, Zeke is what, like $15 million a year average salary. Oh, no, he's more. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, the highest-paid running backs, you got uh, Kamara, Elliott, McCaffrey. You know, two, one is maybe going to jail, two of those. Or McCaffrey's always hurt now. Um, you have uh, Derek Henry. You know, we'll see if his durability holds up. Joe Mixon, maybe a little bit there. Saquon Barkley's never been this. You know, uh, investing a lot of a lot of money to a position where they get hurt a lot is just – I feel like it's it's going to start going to a two running back. Every team has to have two running backs. It's not going to be a thing anymore with a with a solo running back. So, Alex, what's your last good move of the offseason to date? You know, I really struggled with this. I actually had almost ten like good offseason moves that I kind of circled. There's a bunch of them I kind of want to get 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 to, um, but I think this one is kind of like this is kind of similar to the Russell Wilson trade. I'm going to say Matt Ryan to the Colts. And this is for this particular reason. Um, the uh, We've been talking about Matt Ryan for years, about how it almost looks like he's done. Um, I think Matt Ryan has been in a bad situation probably for the last three to four years. Um, they needed to blow that thing up a long time ago, but his contract wouldn't allow them to do that. Um, but I think Matt Ryan still got a lot of good football in him. He's in Atlanta the last couple of years. He constantly was behind the eight ball with a bad offensive line. Hey, you got a bad offensive line. You're going to be having to pass to keep up with, you know, and keep yourself in the game, you know, score 30, 40 points with a bad offensive line and consistent offensive line. That's not going to be in, in, in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a good football team. He actually has a running back or somebody he can actually lean on where he doesn't have to try to win a game by himself. Um, I think they got a really good defense that he doesn't have to try to force himself, force the football to try to, you know, keep up with teams. I think it's a, I think at the worst, when you think about it, he's, he's a definite upgrade over Wentz. If he just does what Wentz did last year, they're going to be a playoff team. Um, but I think Matt Ryan, he, they're going to surround him, continue to surround him with some really good players. They only need him for the next two or three years. And I think Matt Ryan's good enough to be around at least a good quarterback at least push top 10 here in the next two to three years. What do you think about that? Yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's interesting because he did, the Colts lucked out and he, you know, and I think Atlanta is, is a great organization for what they did, allowing him to kind of just go somewhere else based on all the stuff that happened uh, to take care of him, you know, because they ate an insane cap it to, to accommodate him. Um, so, you know, instead of just killing his career, he gets a chance to go and try to win that championship finally. Uh, like you said, a huge improvement on the offensive line. So we'll, it'll hopefully improve him. Not to mention, you play the Jaguars and Texans. Well, I guess I shouldn't say. You play the Texans twice a year because for some reason the Colts lose the Jaguars every year. I don't understand that still. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's a great move. It's It may be one of the, most, one of the best underrated moves, which is weird to say because he's like one of the highest-paid quarterbacks. But it's it's not talked about a lot. Um, yes, he's 37, but – it it gives the Colts a better chance than what they had last year and two years ago. I mean, Philip Rivers, I, you know, he was a good veteran quarterback. And I think Matt Ryan is, is a better 
you know, a better Pip Rivers. Um, so I, I think it's a great move, Alex. <clears throat> um, all right, let's let's move on to talk one more thing before we wrap this episode up. Uh, last week we talked about the AFC. We ranked the AFC teams. We did a little power ranking action. I gave my teams and let you talk about it. So this time let's have you give me the top seven teams. Doesn't matter about divisional and stuff like that. But really quickly, last year's top seven playoff teams were number one were the Packers, number two the Bucks, number three the Cowboys, number four were the Super Bowl champion Rams. Number five, the Cardinals. Number six, the Niners. Number seven, the Eagles coming out of nowhere. So, Alex, if we had to go from seven to one, what would be your current NFC power ranking? I'm going to borrow a little bit of what you did last week and do a little notables. So I'm going to throw out some notables that didn't make the list and why they didn't make the list. I got two notables. That's Minnesota and the Commanders. Uh, Minnesota, uh, you know how much I loved them last year. I thought they were going to make a playoff push last year. Uh, and they broke my heart, let me down. Um, them changing culture staff, I'm not too sure about the O'Connell hire. I'm not sure about the front office right now at the time. Um, they got some holes on the defense. I'm not sh- too solid about the offense line, so they're not in it. I can't, I can't commit to Kirk Cousins right now. I can't do that. And then the commanders, I think they did upgrade the quarterback, but I don't know how good their defense is going to be next year. They've lost some some guys in free agency. Um, I don't know how good they're going to be going forward. So those are my two guys, two teams on the outside looking in. You ready? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, all right. So I know you're going to start crapping on this list, so go crap away. All right, number seven is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. They are barely in, in my opinion. They're barely better than Minnesota and the Commanders right now. Um, Dallas, I think, uh, I saw a stat on the first week of free agency. 31 of the 32 teams by Friday night had signed an outside free agency, free agency, free agency. Only one team, my Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they've somehow, some way, some way, some way, some way got worse this offseason. But the simple fact is they're still better than a couple of other teams. Um, they lied too much on the draft. We don't know what the hell this team's going to look like after the draft. Uh, but they didn't get better in any spot in free agency. At the worst and most spots, they're just kind of the same. So I got Dallas barely on the outside, okay, barely inside when they probably are kind of the same with the outside. What do you think about that? So I, I made a list just so I could see, and I didn't tell you my list, and I'm not going to tell you. I, like, I want to see where we compare and match up with some of these things. So – it's funny because I, I had four teams fighting for the final two spots to get in, and two of those teams were the Commanders and the Vikings, who you already mentioned. So uh, I I do agree with the Cowboys and like what you're talking about. There's enough to get in. Uh, if you look at the whole NFC East, they have, I think, the four easiest strength of schedule because of each other and because of who else they play. So I think, you know, I, the Cowboys – I think a little bit higher, but I am concerned about what they've lost. Now, Alex, the thing I that I do think is going to help you guys out is there's enough of a foundation, and they drafted so well last year, and I, I'm trusting the draft that they're going to have this year also. They went all defense, and they hit on a couple extremely well. So to me, this year, Alex, if you go mostly or half-and-half half offensive line, a couple wide receivers, you know, maybe a couple secondary or, or something. I, I think I think based on what the draft for what they did last year on the Cowboys, I think they set themselves up to succeed this year just by how well they drafted. So I think Cowboys at seven is a little bit higher than what I or is a little bit worse than what I had. But I think I, I'm kind of curious to see how the draft goes, Alex. So what do you got for number six? Number six, this is more like a similar to the Dallas because Dallas kind of is putting their stock in the draft. This team is going to have a lot of hit and miss in the draft, and I think they're going to knock it out, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Hassan Reddick was probably their biggest signing um, when you look at it, um, but they did a lot of retooling in their offense and defensive line. They kind of, um, you know, we, they're long and two from both sides. Uh, they kind of reworked some deals to kind of free up some cap space. But Philadelphia has three key first-round picks this year in the draft, and this draft right after maybe the top ten, Sweet spot, probably between ten and twenty. They're gonna have a chance to get three really good blue chip players that they they can bring in and absolutely impact them. 
Um, Jalen Hurts, I know that's kind of a bigger question on, on people on Jalen Hurts. Hey, I don't believe in the quarterback and different things like that. I think after uh, what I saw last year, he's good enough, okay? Um, now the question is going to be, is he going to be good enough to be that in middle of the road kind of quarterback? Um, but I think with the fact that they switched, um, the, you talk about the tough schedule, Dallas is playing a tough schedule in Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is going to win this division based off of that. I think Dallas maybe is not a 12-win team this year. I think Philadelphia at the worst is right around where they're at with nine or ten wins. But I think it's enough to kind of get Philadelphia with their kind of the better team in that division. What do you say about that? So it's, it's funny because I have my on my side, my number five team, like I said, is either the Cowboys or Eagles. I think one of them makes the playoffs and the other doesn't make the playoffs. So I think what you said about, you know, they have three first round picks. It, they have the potential to knock it out of the park. Um, and, and the thing that's really sad, though, is Jalen Hurts is great as the 14th best quarterback on PFF. But we saw them against the Bucks. They were extremely overmatched. You know, maybe it'll be better with another year in the system, uh, another for the coach, new coach. Hurts uh, get another year starting adding more pieces to be competitive against those couple top teams in the NFC for the Eagles. They have a dominant offensive line. The defense, you know, front four is pretty damn good now. <clears throat> so for the Eagles, the thing that's really sad, though, is, man, you had three first-round picks. You know if you had the chance, you would have traded them all for Deshaun Watson. To think they could have had Deshaun Watson, but Watson didn't want to go there. Um, it's kind of bad for Philadelphia because you really, this is the year. If you had any year to invest, you had the extra draft picks. You could throw them or throw a package a couple to get something, but you couldn't. So it's okay. So, uh, you know, I think the Eagles, yes, I think they will be on the verge of being a playoff team once again, just like last year. Once again, once the easy strength of schedule didn't lose a lot. And I think they did get better, Alex. So I, I kind of agree. Um, I can see the Eagles and the Cowboys fighting for, for the division and kind of knocking the other one out. So number five. Number five, by default, is your Arizona Cardinals. By default, meaning that they didn't really get any better and they didn't really get any worse. Um, you could probably say this Edmonds thing was kind of made them worse, but I'm not going to even, even throw about that. They're probably going to draft themselves a running back like we've been talking about. They need to get deeper at that. Um, I think this year there's going to be the bigger question is, is the quarterback going to stay healthy? Okay. And then number two, is D-Hop going to stay healthy? Uh, I don't think they get like I said, they kind of didn't get better to get worse, but they may have got two free wins this year with Seattle basically punting on this season. So, yeah, you, you maybe got worse enough to lose two games. You probably would have won this year. But Seattle gave those two games back uh, by uh, deciding they didn't care about quarterbacks. So Arizona is kind of my default number five. What do you think about that? So I think this is going to be the one where I, I guess, respectfully disagree. Um, <clears throat> maybe because I, I get to deal with Arizona more than you do. Uh, you know, the one thing I would refer back to that we talked about, Alex, is trust in the coach. I've not seen enough to be to trust in their coach that this is going to work out. They have great starts the past two years, but if you look at their roster now, they're losing pieces and they're not replacing them. Um, that's where they're at. And then I don't know if they're financially, if they have to get ready for Kyler, Kyler Murray's contract or what they're going to do. But looking at their uh, their starting 22 right now, Alex, on PFF, there's only three people – I'm sorry, four people that were graded in the top 20 of their own position group. Quarterback, running back, who I just shit-talked was a running back. <laughs> D-Hop, who is, who's been hurt. And J.J. Watt, who lives hurt. So you have four – your four best players, Alex, all four of them, have major injury issues. Kyler Murray's not major, but when you're 5'10", you, you rely on mobility. You can't see over the offensive line. You can't be mobile. We've seen him break down the past two years. So, you know, Arizona, yes, they have the ability to be a top three or four team to NFC. But I'm going to say as of right now that I think, you know, when I said I had four teams fighting for the final two spots, I'll just let you know right now. I had, I had the Commanders, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Cardinals fighting for the last four, for the last two spots. You know, Bears, uh, you know, I'm kind of going with the Justin Fields magic. We'll see because the NFC North is really bad. But I think the Cardinals are fighting for a six or seven seed with Commanders Vikings at best. So 
disagree, but you know, once again, let's see what happens in the draft, Alex. It could be any, it could be, it could change by then. So who you got for number four? Number four, this is truly yours. I truly have your San Francisco 49ers. Um, I am the lone outside non-49er person in our group of friends. I'm not a fan of them. I'm just an outside conscious objector. I have this sick, sinking feeling that Trey Lance is about to blow up. I think Trey Lance, I'm high on him. What I've heard about his intangibles, his study habits. I know a lot of people are kind of trying to judge last year, but he was playing hurt. Um, and he was hurt a lot last year. You being a 49er fan kind of know about, about it. Um, I think he's going to have a, a, a kind of a breakout season. Um, he's going to show maybe some rookie tendencies, but I think he's going to have a breakout season. The 49ers kind of, we already talked about um, last um, season about them needing some cornerback help. They got some cornerback help with the Jadarius Ward. They got some, some depth at the cornerback position to kind of fix that where they're not kind of holding their breath, hoping they don't get burned. Um, they got one of the best or pass rushers. Say so what? Or pass interference call, which happened a lot. <laughs> yep, yep, that too. They got one of the better uh, defensive players, in uh, Nick Bosa. Um, I think they kind of solidified themselves to me. I know they lost the officer coordinator, but we all know Kyle Shanahan is the office coordinator. In this day of age, you have to have an innovative quarter, uh, coach office coordinator to succeed in this league. And I think the 49ers have that in Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I think he's kind of top five as far as innovation, as far as offensive side of football. I think at the worst, we're looking at the same type of defense they had last year, which was really good down the stretch. And I think I just have this feeling that Trey Lance is going to blow up. Similarly, I had the same feeling about RG3 with Kyle Shanahan had RG3. If Trey Lance can – be 80% of what RG3 was in his rookie season, I think the 49ers are going to be a tough team to beat. What do you think? Yeah, I, Alex, I, I'm curious if our top four are the same because I have I have the Niners at number four. So I agree with you on that one. And I just, you know, I think the top three are just slightly better than the Niners as of right now because we don't know what Trey Lance is, even though I kind of agree with you. I, I, I have a feeling that he's going to turn out pretty damn well. And the reason why is, Shanahan has been so successful with average quarterbacks uh, outside of Matt Ryan. He's been so successful with average quarterbacks everywhere. You give him the dude with an arm and the legs and the mobility and the study habits and is willing to change his mechanics and learn and listen. I, you know, it's a great situation for Trey Lance. It's a great situation for Kyle Shanahan. Now, when I was just talking about the Cardinals, they had four players in the top 20 of their position group. Jimmy Garoppolo was not in the top 20 as a quarterback. He's number 22 out of 37 PFF. You know, he's a great game manager. That's that's what he is. The Niners, out, you know, they're starting 22 as of right now. They had nine people in the top 22, with most of those nine being in the top 10 of their own position group. You now add in. Trey Lance to that, who I think could be a top 10 in his own position group as well. Javarius Ward was number 21 out of 116, so he wasn't even in the top 20. Ayuk was 20, number 28 at wide receiver, who has great potential at wide receiver. So I think, you know, I think the Niners are a lock to be a playoff team as long as Trey Lance stays healthy because, you know, as of right now, though, Jimmy Garoppolo is our backup quarterback. So if he gets hurt, I'm honestly not that worried. And I actually am okay if we keep Garoppolo at this point. So, I agree with you, Alex. I got that number four, but I, like I said, I'm very curious what your top three are. So, who is your number three? My number three um, is Mr. Tom Brady, aka Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got them at three. Reason I have them at three, obviously, when you have a guy like Tom Brady, he's not slowing down. We have that type of guy that's in your room. The kind of Jordan is. I don't say he's as good as Jordan is or what he does, but he's got that Jordan is Wayne Gretzky type, type flow of just greatness. When he steps in, everybody raises their game. Um, I definitely think uh, they kept majority of the, the team, but the reason I got them at three, one thing, they're older. They lost some offensive line and they lost some defensive line. Uh, JPP didn't get re-signed. Um, they had some offensive line retire on them. Um, and, the, you know, and I think I did like the Russell Gage addition, but the, when you look at it, I think there's still a top seed in default in the NFC just because the AFC is kind of the top heavy team right now. 
But I think Tampa Bay is good enough to win their division. I think they're good enough to be a top three seed. What do you think about that? So I had the Bucks as the number one seed for several reasons. I think I think they're the clear top team in the NFC because the Rams have to deal with the Niners. So I think schedule-wise, the fact that they have to deal with the Niners and the Cardinals kind of, I think it makes it a little more difficult for the Rams compared to the Bucks, who, you know, the Saints were kind of the team that would compete against them. But now with Champagne gone, I don't know if I trust them to compete against the Bucks. Um, like they have been the last couple of years, because I think they're undefeated against the Bucs in the last two regular seasons. Um, but the roster that they're bringing back, 11 of their 22 are top 20 players, including Tom Brady, who is number two at quarterback himself. So I think, I just think the Bucs with the, and the Bucs with the amount of talent they have coming back once again. And I, Alex, let's be honest. Last year, Antonio Brown, the wide receiver room, once they all got hurt, I that was not. I don't think you could really expect Tom Brady to carry that offense by himself. I mean, they even Fournette was hurt. They had no offensive weapons to throw to. So I, I just think I think if the Bucks have this team coming in next year and they're healthier, I think that's what gives the Bucks that number one seed. So who's your number two? My number two is going to be the Green Bay Packers. Um, I know they have they've lost probably arguably the number one wide receiver in the league, um, but Green Bay is still stacked. Green Bay still good good on defense. Yes, they lost to Darius Smith, uh, but I think they're going to kind of fill that hole here in free here in the draft. <clears throat> they lost um, Rogers' number one guy, Devontae Adams. But this is the thing about when you have great quarterbacks. Great quarterbacks tend to kind of make average or at least Decent wide receivers, good. Uh, they're going to have multiple first-round picks this year. They're going to have the ability to draft themselves a, a wide receiver, similar like Kansas City. Um, Rodgers will just pick his new rookie wide receiver, just say, hey, you want to be great, and he'll make you great. But this is the thing pe- most people don't really realize about Green Bay can not pay attention. Green Bay is a running football team. Them losing a number one wide receiver won't hurt them. They got two stud running backs in the backfield, and – that's why it's so surprising that they lost to the 49ers in the playoff. They had the offense to kind of go in the cold and win big-time games, defensive games, but for somehow, some way, it didn't work out for them last year. But I still think Aaron Rodgers is still good enough to kind of uh, get around, kind of win some games. Um, I got him as number two seed. What do you think? So I got them as number three seed. You're right. They have talent everywhere, um, you know, Offensive line may downgrade a little bit. Uh, the, their edge rushers, Rashad Gary was the fifth best edge rusher last year. Preston Smith was 12th best. You know, Ken Clark in the, his nose tackle was 13th. So as a whole for their defense, they were they were really good. They were really good. Um, and, and I think that can continue. The big question mark is what we already all know. It's wide receiver. I think the reason why I'm a little more concerned is because Yes, they could draft one, Alex, but if they could draft one, why the hell have they never drafted one before that worked out for them? So with that being said, right now they have Cobb, Lazard, and a couple other people that I, I don't want to try to remember right now. When Rodgers is 38, 39 years old, it's cold. I don't know, you know, the older you get in the cold, I don't think it's going to work as well for him. I have the Packers third um, because I think there is enough talent. I think Aaron Rodgers still is good enough. They have the 22nd easiest schedule in terms of strength of schedule as of right now. But I am curious what they do try to go after a wide receiver because, you know, they didn't even retain MVS. So um, it sounds like it's going to go all rookie wide receiver. So, you know, Alex, the great thing about that is, though, you know, you can find some fantasy gems in Green Bay potentially because if they draft, say, three rookie wide receivers, one of those is probably going to turn out because Aaron Rodgers is just going to, he's just going to make it work. So, um, I, you know, I think that part's great, but yeah, you're right. They're, Green Bay is not going to be challenging the NFC North. They're going to be a top three team easily. I could see them being one, two, or three. I have them three just, you know, just because, um, because I want to see what happens in the draft. But Alex, so I guess that it means your number one is the Rams and I have them number two, but why do you have them as the number one team? 
I have them as the number one team because organizationally how they're using. I know they lost Von Miller. I know that's a quote, a big loss, but people got to remember, Von Miller was a luxury pickup for them last year. They still were good without Von Miller. Now, you could probably get some stats to say, hey, what's, you know, differently, but the Rams, I think more than any other team, we already know about the whole F them picks type of thing. The Rams, for somehow, some reason, some way, have done a very good job and getting four, fifth, sixth round picks, undrafted players, they're giving them some type of pool. Yeah, they lost uh, Whitworth. He's retired. Yeah, they lost Von Miller, which are two very important particular situations. Uh, but I think they've kind of done a very good of homegrown in their own talent to where they're going to be just as good next year. Um, I think you, you Stafford, that was his first year really in that offense. I think the second year they're going to open it up, and then you also throw in Allen Robinson, <clears throat> which is you know Allen Rogers Robinson has been great, obviously last year, obviously with the quarterback situation in Chicago, uh, but this is he's a, a savvy route runner who's going to be able to really help them out. So I think right now they're kind of still to me the team to beat. I know you can't you know their team is what it is, but I think they're gonna they're gonna they're still a top heavy. They still have great players and great positions. Um, we talk about staff where these top 10 or whether or not uh, they still got Aaron Dottle. They still got Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they still got Cup, Cup had one of the most amazing seasons last year. And uh, I think they're still going to be, you know, the top team to beat this year. What do you think? Yeah. So I think it's really between the Bucks and the Rams. Now the Rams only have nine instead of the Bucks 11 uh, of their starters in, you know, in a top 20 in the position group. But the thing that makes them different than the other teams, even though they have less in the Bucks, is they have three number ones at their position groups. So Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup are all the number one player at their position, when, which makes them that much more dangerous. Uh, it, it's hard to game plan around that. Now, the other thing to keep to note is Allen Robinson was not a top 20 player last year, but we know he can be. Cam Akers come back from injury probably too early. He can be. Um, so you, you add those two and then that gives you 11, that gives you as many of the bucks. And I, I think, I think they match up with the bucks very well. The only thing that I'm concerned about, you know, and I talk to, you know, Corey and some of the other Rams fans about this, um, isn't the draft, isn't the lack of draft picks, isn't the lack of, you know, the sour cap finagling that they're doing is that they are losing key players and they're expecting them to always be replaced by these fourth and fifth rounders. And I think, at some point, it may catch up. Like, for example, you know, the left tackle, Whitworth, was was a phenomenal left tackle. It's going to be really interesting to see how he replaces that. Um, the Rams never had great linebacker play. You know, you if they sign Bobby Wagner, I'm all – I think that's a difference maker for me. If they get Bobby Wagner, I think they're the hands-down best team in the NFL, not just NFC. I think they're the best team in the NFL because, to me, the weak, the greatest weakness is – their linebacking core on that team. Uh, you know, as a Niners fan, we love running against them because they don't have the linebackers to compete against us. It's it's something that we can do against them. But you add a linebacker like Bobby Wagner, even if he's thirty one years old on the, the downside, I think it, it that pu- I think that puts the Rams over the top. So Alex, you know, I have the Rams number two. It's I think it's nitpicky. I, I I agree with you on the on the Rams being number one. I'm just as a not Rams fan, I'm terrified if they do get a linebacker with that kind of potential uh, added to this roster. So so looking uh, at both our lists, the main difference really sounds to me more like Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah. Arizona's um, – I have them on the verge of even making the playoffs, and you have them, I think, number five, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And I think the other thing I have is, you know, I, I have the commanders more locked in as being like a number seven seed. I think they could happen. And then I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are essentially – going to beat the crap out of each other and to the point where one of them wins the division and the other knocks the other one out of even making the playoffs. I, that, to me, that's an NFC East kind of thing, Alex. And I, you, you know that. And I, I just kind of, that's kind of how I see it going. I think the Eagles have enough to be very competitive this year. And let's be honest, those, the, the final three spots, five, six, and seven seed are wide open. You know, I, I would say the Cowboys, I would say an NFC East team will win one the five seed or something like that. But um, there's a couple teams that, you know, I, I think the Vikings could be interesting. Um, yes, it's Kirk Cousins. I know I get that. Cardinals should be competitive again. Um, 
you know, I don't know why. I just think I just have a thing with the Bears. I think the Bears could uh, could surprise some people with a different coaching staff and Justin Fields getting a real opportunity to play. Um, you know, and that with that defense. So, but yeah, Alex, good stuff. Uh, let's wrap this episode up with this coming up week. We have a lot of things going on. Like I talked about the intro. Is there any big thing you're looking forward to this next week? Well, this is something I really reflected on. The next 30 days, particularly April, is going to absolutely be a bananas time for sports. You know, I know why. We got the NFL draft. We got the Masters coming up. The NBA um, in the NBA season. We're about to start playoffs. The NHL playoffs doesn't start to the beginning of May, but the end of the season coming up. Then you're also you look at the final four in, in a week or so. Uh, UFC is always doing something um, every weekend. You got spring track, uh, spring you know from MLB baseball is about to crank up. Then also I got to drop it out there, Wrestle Fan, WrestleMania, the Showcase of Immortals this month. Next thirty days, get ready, folks. You're gonna have something to watch every single night. Get hyped. Get prepared. Um, what about the WNBA? WNBA starts on, I think May May sixth. Get hyped. Yep, I was. I'm yeah. I'm really struggling just to find WNBA stuff right now. May sixth. May no. May no. Apparently, seeing start seeing for WNBA. Good luck with that. Anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. We'll probably integrate a little bit more. I think the goal is to talk about baseball. I think we're going to bring back our angry fan talk baseball. We're going to try to censor them a little bit better this time. We'll see if that's even possible. <laughs> uh, but we'll talk a little bit baseball, maybe a little bit basketball playoffs. And, you know, and I think if we talk anything else, I think we agree that we're going to try to talk a little bit of uh, mock drafts and compare mock drafts to what we think may happen and things we're looking for in terms of the draft because draft is coming up uh, in, what, three, four weeks. So, mm-hmm. um We'll start talking draft maybe in a couple weeks, maybe next week. We'll see. So, anyways, thanks for joining us, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you guys have a good one until next week.